0: Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving
1: world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I'm your uh, host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I am joined as usual with the Ben Ellis. The ben Ellis. But, but today, we have the uh, pleasure the distinct pleasure, in fact, uh, to have a conversation with the with the, the illustrious the Jeff illustrious uh, the illustrious uh, Jeff, Jeff uh, Dye, yes. never goes away. He, <laughs> <laughs> he um he is the uh, lead pastor at uh, Northcliffe uh, Church uh, here in Spring Hill, and uh, secondary job he's a comedian. Where are you going to be? Where are you? Where's your next? <laughs> Where's your next gig, Jeff?
2: Yeah? yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much in my living room, for my kids. Yeah, yeah. Not
1: to cool. be confused with the com- comedian uh, yes. named uh, Jeff Die. Um, that's the other sure, Jeff Die.
2: Because he definitely has some stuff that I would not say. But yeah. So,
1: anyhow. But, uh, Certainly not in public. What's that? <laughs> Certainly not in public. Oh, oh right. my. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, I was gonna say like uh, we may or may not, you know, uh, publish this, but right. uh, we're we're on right now. So that's right. That's right. Anyhow, so uh, Jeff, what we're gonna do, man? We're gonna talk to you a little bit about um, just kind of you, uh, your 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 testimony. Uh, talk to you about you know your relationship with Christ, and uh, um, just kind of see where that goes. Sure. Cool. All, All right. right, man. So the question I think I haven't asked this question in a while, Ben, but I think it is, who is Jeff Die? I'm
2: I'm a follower of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Um, husband to my wife Karen and father to my three children Uh, we have Aris, Lauren and and Caleb and uh, so grateful for uh, the journey that God has has brought us on there and I'm privileged to be able to serve as lead pastor at Northcliffe Church and uh, served in student ministry for 17 years and um, eventually with uh, our our pastor of 32 years retiring uh, was asked to be his successor And uh, so I'm I'm grateful for the three-ish years that I've had the privilege of serving as a lead pastor but that's that's who I am as as of of today yeah no
1: absolutely so um, t- tell us a little bit about this. How did you come to your yeah. faith in Jesus Christ? What did that look like for you?
2: Yeah, I'm grateful for my parents. I grew up in a grew up in a Christian home. I was at church all the time. But I think if, if there's if there's a downside of being at church all the time, you start to form a really healthy religion. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I had all the right answers and did all the right things. And I was involved in a great youth group that did lots of missions and camps. And then got into you know uh, just just we were even in kid, uh, student choir and. Uh, me and Ben were actually in student ministry together for a while, quite a while and yeah. kids ministry and so we, we did a lot of stuff You know really good stuff and you grow in that, but you had a religion mm-hmm. and So um, I watched all my, my my brothers and friends, you know accept Christ So I went down the aisle at seven really young because it's just what you do and um, but then it was when I was 17 years old we were at a summer camp and I just vividly remember um, one night after hearing the message, um, the pastor, the preacher used a, an, an illustration of a, of a, of a revolver. I know it seems kind of, um, kind of, kind of strong, if mm-hmm, you will, mm-hmm. but, but it was a, this idea of Russian roulette and mm-hmm. that you, you only get so many chances until your turn is up. And, and so the idea there was, do you really have a relationship with Jesus and or not? And so I just remember that. And I went back to my room and was really contemplating it. And I just felt that, that the Holy Spirit just laid upon my heart. Like you, you don't know me. Um, you think you do but you don't know you have a religion and and uh and I remember that night it, you know it was uh July 27th 1997 and it was early morning hours it was, it was, as only camps can provide where you should be asleep and you're not um but uh but that was the moment that I just I knelt at the edge, edge of my bed and and gave my life to Jesus and um and had had some really tough conversations after that mm-hmm. you know because I had to explain to my youth pastor who thought I was a Uh, A leader and and was a guy that he had entrusted to do some stuff with I had to explain to him what what I was doing and then I had to talk to my parents about it and my pastor and um, and so I went through the whole process I actually was rebaptized at the age of of 17 because I just felt like what I did at 7 was not real and it was it was so I just kind of wanted to do that for my own sake even though I know baptism doesn't save you but it was just a just a process that I wanted to go through to make sure um, that I had I had understood what I was doing in that moment. So the age of 17 is when I, I, I consider my true conversion uh, to Christ and, uh, and, and the rest is history from there.
1: Like I, I was actually going back. I, li- I listened to a little bit of, of Ben's uh, uh, average Joe's episode. Ben, if you remember that, it's uh, back in like, 2018. Yeah,
0: I remember that was the time I broke the system.
1: It broke the system. <laughs> and uh, w- one of the questions um, that and I'm bringing it up for you because you, mm-hmm. you mentioned age seven uh, you know, and for 10 years, you know, uh, you, you thought you were good to go. Uh, again, wh- whether you were good to go right. or not, you know, it's, it's that's always a that's hard true. question. Yeah. Um, but as the church, right, as the church, um, what do you think our role is to make sure uh, that, you know, if we are baptizing seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, mm-hmm. nine-year-olds, so on and so forth, to make sure that that discipleship continues, right, through, through, through their life? I mean, I guess I maybe already answered my question, but how would you respond to, to that? I think it's important just to just to do it on an individual basis and have that have that conversation.
2: I, I really don't think I ever had a conversation with our kids pastor at the time, kids director. I think it was just a decision that I all walked down the aisle one Sunday morning and uh, I said I wanna be you know, I wanna be baptized and, and, and I don't know if it was because my, my, my family was, was in that church for a while, um, had lots of connections, if they just assumed, Hey, Jeff Know, the parents know. I mean, the family's a Christian, so you know, I just don't ever remember a good conversation mm-hmm. uh, that somebody really specifically asked me if I knew what I was doing, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so I think like that the church is—it's important for the church to. Um, take that moment. Mm-hmm. So if you have a kid's pastor or an education pastor or a youth pastor, whatever, to really take time to talk each person through do you mm-hmm. know what you're about to do? Do you know mm-hmm. what this decision that you're saying means? And to make sure that, that we're not making an emotional mm-hmm. um, decision that, that just sounds like, oh, the, the guy just scared me out of hell. Uh, but yeah. If you can scare someone out of something, you can scare them back into it. Sure. So uh, I think that that's, that's the nature of uh, what I would say. It's the church's responsibility is to really take the time
1: and, and so yeah so th- I mean that answer really would apply it doesn't matter the age right yeah, whether absolutely. whether you're 7 or 70 uh, yeah, absolutely. Ma- yeah. making sure that there is a, a as best we can right uh, making yeah. sure that, that there is a, a legitimate or sincere or mm-hmm. what's a better term um, you know faith there uh, uh the, the, Robbie Gallaty, I don't know if you're familiar with Robbie Gallaty up at Long Hall of Baptists Hendersonville Tennessee right now. He was at uh, in Chattanooga at uh, Brainerd Baptist. Anyhow, he um, they're doing these spontaneous baptisms right now and apparently catching some flack, you know, for that. Um, we're, we're again, you know, not to not to have, have you pick a side or anything like that. But what are your thoughts on on that kind of a, a you know spontaneous baptism? Hey, if if you've never been baptized, if you've given your you know life to Christ, coming up, we'll we'll baptize you this morning. Well,
2: I think that you know for me. It- I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, uh, I think it's all about discipleship. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when you know back in, in biblical days, you know Jesus didn't have a baptism class that he went to. You know, right, he was just baptized. And I think John the Baptist wasn't wasn't taking you know baptism courses. sure. sure. He, he was just he would just baptize those yeah. who, who wanted to be baptized. And so I think that if 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 we had that moment and did that. I just think there has to be discipleship afterwards. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if, if you if someone comes forward and says I, I want to be baptized, I want to give my life to Jesus, okay, we're gonna do that right here on the spot. We'll baptize you because your confession is you mm-hmm. want Jesus to be Lord of your life. And so we'll we'll do that. We're gonna follow up with you and now we have a we have a responsibility now. We've engaged and entered into a, a kind of a covenant with you uh, to make sure you're discipled and, and make sure that you understand what this moment was all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's where sometimes, and I, I don't know these churches, I don't know what their yeah. follow-up strategies are, so I can't say if there are or not, but I think that's the risk, yeah. um, is if a church doesn't have a really thought-out discipleship structure mm-hmm. afterwards that you can you can kind of get into some, some muddy waters there where people can make an emotional decision, get yeah. baptized, think they're good, because a lot of times people will equate baptism to right. salvation, and, and that's that's the danger territory.
1: So with with and obviously huge on discipleship. That's 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 their um, I would say that's their mo. You know, uh, would be discipleship. But um, uh, it is it's it's a big step for somebody to, to to step up. I mean, it's it's hard as, as to to get somebody simply to walk the aisle, right? to, to say a prayer. Uh, at the altar uh, much less to, to get up and say I want to get bat- tis- baptized right here but like you said the danger would be that it's an, it's a, you know an emotional high something right. like that and I'm gonna step into this and then you know that that emotion <laughs> disappears and then you know a few weeks later you're, you're right back to where you started and nothing is really well, changed. I think, but... I think one of
0: the things though, and I think this is something that Jeff is hinting at but he isn't saying directly so I'm gonna kind of nail it down a little bit harder and that is is that faith in Christ is not an easy thing to begin with right. Right, even even Jeff's testimony, which is is very similar to mine in a lot of ways, but yeah. Jeff's testimony really is is like I had to do the hard work of understanding who I was and my relationship with God mm. before I understood what I was doing, mm. and I think that's that's the concern is that we have to to be in a place where we understand that, and I think that that's one of the things that that uh, that you know even in the New Testament, what you see is exactly what Jeff described, that you see. You know, and here I'm thinking of Acts, too, right? Peter gives this huge sermon, baptizes 3,000 people, and then immediately, what's the next passage tell us about? Discipleship. It tells us about small groups in people's homes. Mm -hmm. And they met house to house, breaking bread, you know, on and on and on and on. on, Right? So, I mean, there definitely is that discipleship model and follow-up that Jeff's talking about.
1: I I, I, You know, I I don't know that, that any of us would necessarily say, if I hadn't been uh, baptized when I was younger, mm-hmm. I would have come to what what we now believe to be saving faith at a younger age. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. You think had you not been baptized at seven, maybe at ten or at thirteen, you know, or do you think it would have taken until seventeen? In my opinion, for me, it would have taken until I was sixteen until that happened, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if you can actually say for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously that has a lot to do with the Holy Spirit and, and, mm-hmm. and the environment that you're in. But I, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like the uh, you know at that young age. There, there are things that I think the church, the global church, does with good intentions um, that sometimes creates a false sense of, of security mm. you know, mm-hmm. for people. And and one of those is when you're at you know young ages. I mean, I think what we do at Northcliffe is is really. A healthy way of doing invitational stuff at VBS, but mm-hmm. I think like VBS times is one of those things where you know children are just like, yes, I want, you know, right. and, and all of a sudden you just okay, we got forty-seven salvations mm-hmm. and that, and, and we count that as a, as a, as a victory. But it might have been a seed that was planted. Right, how many of those are true conversions? Mm-hmm. I think that's where you have to tell time tells. Yep the true source there and uh but eventually I, i'm grateful for it uh, i would never not want that opportunity as, as a young child to mm-hmm. hear the gospel and to respond mm-hmm. um because i definitely think it at least kept me kept me focused you know mm-hmm. even though the, the, that, that 10 years of religion it was a good religion sure right i mean i did a lot of good stuff i grew in my i grew yeah. closer i believe closer to jesus it just came to at the age of 17 for me some people it's 13 some people it's me. you know whatever but it came to a point where ah. Uh, now I know what I was saying. I believe way back then. Mm-hmm. Now I understand what a relationship really is. You know, with with uh, with God, and so um, so I think this, some of that is some of that is just just time.
1: And 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 looking back too, I think uh, you know I know I think for all three of us, we we can look and uh, see how God was kind of wooing us and drawing us to Himself all along. Oh, right? Sure. Never mm-hmm. never stopped and, and oh, you know yeah. continued to pursue us yeah. uh, even in spite of our religion as opposed to yeah. relationship.
0: Well, yeah. it's like, and I know you're gonna poke fun at me at this, but it's like. Lewis C.S. Lewis is writing this letter. There you go. C.S. Lewis is writing this letter to this mom, who is completely just like out of her mind because her kid absolutely loves uh, the character Aslan and the right. one which in the Narnia series, uh, but he doesn't want anything to do with church and he doesn't really care all that much about Jesus. And Lewis just writes back and goes, "You know what? It's okay. You know, let him let him love Aslan for now. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of like it's in. And I know that's sort of a, a lot." Different because Lewis ultimately argues that at the end of the day, you know what, it's going to come in, he's going to realize that Aslan really is a type. He's a model. He's a he's a he's based on the character of Jesus. And when we see that wholeheartedly, you know, we're going to see that much more real, and you'll see that faith coming down the line. So I think that that's, you know, that's just another one of those affirmations. Look, we may have being in the life of the church is a great thing. It's a great place to start, and it does pave the way. It sets the pathway for. Uh, those true conversion moments later down the line.
1: Yeah. Um, Andrew, welcome. The uh, I, I, uh, actually, Andrew Chamberlain. actually, Andrew Chamberlain. Yes. Uh, shocking. You walk in and uh, Ben's talking about C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I, I, on- <laughs>
3: honestly, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like, <laughs> no, I was like, was I was like uh, oh, this is uh, their way They're of saying, me. hey, you're late.
1: <laughs> 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 no, um, all right. Uh, Jeff, so uh, you mentioned kind of working in uh, children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, even at a, at a young age. Uh, I'm assuming all of that led to ultimately your decision to go into ministry full time.
2: Yeah, uh, I was. I'm a, I'm a sports guy. I played baseball my whole life, and that was my dream. Um, playing professional baseball for the Atlanta Braves, uh-huh. um, and uh, that was that was my dream, and that was what I was pursuing. And uh, God had different plans, you know. And so at, at the age of uh, really, my junior year of high school, I felt I felt God calling me to ministry. Um, talked to my youth pastor about it, um, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah I think that could be something you could do." And and uh, but, but I, I just kind of said, "God, I'll do that in the off season." You know, mm-hmm. but baseball is only so long, yeah. and, and I have the off season, so I'll do that in the off season. Um, but then again, yeah, this is just how God works. Yeah. Uh, I have. Every scout that was following me, every 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 opportunity that might have been there for me, uh, was lost my senior year because of injuries. I just mm. kept getting hurt and and just had a horrible senior season. And um, and so then in order to get in college, I had to go in as an academic scholarship. I really couldn't afford to to go in as a as a sports scholarship at the time. And and so I, re- I went in there and I was doing graphics and web design again, just pursuing um, the money, uh, pursuing what I could get uh, out of out of the world, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it was my college pastor. Uh, our had been a nice college mm-hmm. pastor that every time we went on a mission trip, he would always put me in charge of youth. He would always put me in charge of preaching to youth or teaching youth, whatever. Um, and so that was kind of the spark that happened. And then it was um, uh, I needed a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, honest to goodness, my first ministry position was I needed a job to pay some bills. And I couldn't get a job anywhere in, in our town with uh, with the degree that I was born after. I forgot my portfolio. just couldn't get a job. Other people were getting jobs in my class and, and um, my professor even knew, he was like, I don't know why, how you can't get a job, if you have a better portfolio, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand this, but, um, but God knew, yeah. God was keeping doors shut for me, knowing that I would chase the money, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would go after it, and so my college pastor got a phone call from a small church looking for their first youth pastor ever, um, and, uh, so he said, here's a guy I think would, would do it, and I said yes, because I needed the job, and it was a part-time, just a little gig to, to kind of get some money, mm-hmm. um, I started a youth group with one kid, the music pastor's, uh, son, and, uh, that's, that's, that's where it all began, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it was a commitment up for one, one year and I was getting married the next year and we we're moving out of town probably. And so, um, I took that for a one year commitment, uh, and the church knew it, I knew it. Um, but, uh, but God, God blessed that effort and in one year grew a good sized youth group out there at that church. And, um, and from there it was, that was the clear calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so that's, that's the direction I went from that point on in mm-hmm. the seminary and, uh, began that, that educational track and, and kind of left everything else behind.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to to that in just a moment. I just sure. something that just occurred to me though. I think we have four men in this room. Three of them married their high school sweetheart. Is that all three of you? Is yeah. That right? mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
3: Yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to say, did you
2: have to think about that one? I
3: don't <laughs> know. Right. I, Steph
1: and I met her first year right out of uh, out of high school. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It was close, close, yeah. close, but not quite. It was close. close, not quite. Missed it. Yeah, you're just not, missed you're not it. a part of the club, man. I know. So. <laughs> Uh, uh martin lloyd jones uh, in his book preaching and preachers uh said something along the lines of uh if as far as the, the call to ministry if you can do anything else do it right if you can do anything else other than full-time vocational ministry take that route uh which was, was his advice uh to um uh, uh you know preachers or, or or uh uh individuals looking to go into the ministry would you agree or disagree with that kind of sentiment I'm sorry, the computer distracted me. Can you repeat the quote? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He said uh, something along the lines of, again, paraphrasing: "If you can do anything else, do that. If you can do anything else, do that. Uh, only if you get to the point where you know there's absolutely nothing else that I can do that I'm gonna I'm gonna go into ministry. Meaning, meaning, God, you did this just kind of bur- you know burning inside yeah. of you.
2: I, I would I would say." I- Man, that, that, that's a hard one to fully agree with. Yeah. But I understand the sentiment. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and I would say that to some degree, if, if there's something that you're always longing to do, you're going to leave the ministry. Right. It. And so I think that uh, um, it, if it, a lot of a lot of times you get mm-hmm. in the ministry and it fine tunes what your heart's desire was to start with, mm-hmm. and that gives you the freedom to then go back and, and do that, and that's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I never fault people for doing that. Yeah. Um, I do think that that there is a. Uh, it it hurts the church, the global church, when people do that too frequently, mm-hmm. um, and so, so I think that's where he's coming from. Is just if you if you want to do something else, do that and mm-hmm. be a missionary doing mm-hmm. that, right? Um, before you get into the church, because there's just people don't understand all the time. You know, they don't want to take the time to understand mm-hmm. why a pastor left the pastorate uh, to do something else. And so I think that that's kind of where I think he's coming from. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I don't know if I've I have do not know if I'd wave the banner. Of I got Hundred percent agree. Yeah. But, yeah.
1: We, we we actually we we talked quite a bit uh, a couple of years ago about um, calling in particular mm-hmm. and kind of what that looks like, um, and so you know you know for you do you do you remember when you, the you felt kind of that call or is it just kind of s- slowly but surely kind of led you in that direction I mean you you just mentioned the doors opening and closing yeah. and all that but
2: I mean it it really was on a mission trip uh, where well. When I was like I said junior in high school I just felt I felt God saying you are going to be a part of something. It was right shortly after I accepted Christ at 17. Mm-hmm. And and then that that next summer or that that, that, that next fall whatever it may be, I just felt like, you know, you're going to be involved in mm-hmm. doing doing something ministry related. So yeah. that's when I was like I'll just give you the off-season kind of thing. But then it was in college um, when I was on a mission trip and I was serving students mm-hmm. um, and I was in charge of this and then I was invited by that church that we served for a week over spring break. I was invited to come back out that summer for for about six to eight weeks and just be their intern for six to eight weeks mm-hmm. in the summer, and um, so I said yes to that. And it was during that six to eight week period that I really felt this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. This, this is as I'm doing it, as I'm serving. Uh, th- their youth pastor was great at letting me let me lead and letting me teach and, and kind of be a part of learning uh, some different things. Again, it was a small church, uh, a, a volunteer youth pastor, if you will. I'm a very small, you know, payment there. Uh, for what they were doing so um you know it was it was it was that because of that freedom he's like hey I can have somebody come help me for six day weeks because I'm not getting paid to do this anyway and so uh, so I was able to partner with them and learn so much in that, and that and that's where I felt like God was was clearly telling me this is what I want you to do mm-hmm. and I was still not really ready to give it up and that's when I came right. back. I was still pursuing my graphics and web design mm-hmm. degree. And that's when God just closed every doors and then open, the only door open for a job was a church job, and um, and so you know when I took that and then I saw how God used me in that yep. setting, uh, then I realized this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just accepted that calling and uh, and pursued it from there.
1: So as everybody knows, as a as a senior pastor, you work on what Sundays and Wednesdays, right? Yeah, pretty
2: much yes. <laughs> half half day Sundays for most.
1: Obviously not not true, um, but uh, as far as spare time or hobbies, uh, what, what how do you like to spend uh, that kind of time? Uh,
2: personally, I like to play golf. Yeah, um, I really like to be outside and play golf uh, as a family. I, I love spending family time. We play all types of, of games um, and get outside whenever we can as a family and try to do some stuff as well. We we you know we don't we try not to we try not to stay into, indoors too much. Um, it's hard to. It, it's hard to take a, a day off mm-hmm. and stay local, uh, if, if that makes sense. Because again, the pastor only works two days a week, but it's still hard to you know get away. Um, so, um, so we, we have to get out of town sometimes, and, and that's that's just what we have to do to yeah. kind of disconnect. Um, but uh, but yeah, for me personally, I'm, I'm a sports guy, so I love I love sports. Uh, I love watching sports. I love attending sports if if, if they're available, um, uh, just to watch the games. And and um, and then right now, I just got I have two very active kids at home, mm-hmm. and uh, they keep me. Very busy yeah. uh, with what their activities are as well. So, uh, but but that's cool. You know, it's hanging out, hanging out as a family. So whatever it is that we're doing as a family, I love it. But for me personally, if it was just I have a block of time, go do what you want to do. I like to get outside and try to play some golf.
1: And to put a timestamp on this, uh, the Gators just lost last night in the NCAA tournament um, to uh, the number 15 seed Oral Roberts. Yeah,
3: and um, I'll just say Tennessee lost the round before. And um, that team that beat them, Oregon State, won again yeah, last night. Yeah.
1: So, that, that SEC man, rolling, rolling Ooh, through
0: the are, tournament. We are our, <laughs> wait, 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 It's basketball season. Two yeah. things are true: in the SEC, most people don't care. <laughs> we well, can't, don't we know, care right. when it gets to football season. Uh, it, I,
3: well, uh, I don't know.
2: Kentucky's usually pretty good, but they're not that good this year. Uh, did they make How, it in the tournament? How'd they, they do
3: in the tournament?
1: Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Pastor Jerry. They <laughs> I I don't want to comment on that. Jerry Wall is listening. I say with what,
2: Oral Roberts, <laughs> I got to tip my hat to them because they, they beat Ohio State
1: in round yeah. one, and now they beat Florida. I,
3: they I was telling some people they are not a 15 seed. I told people that before the tournament. I've watched them play; that they're, they're, they're legit.
1: Yeah, but you said they should be a 16 seed. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyhow, uh, well, listen, we we want to. There's a we we appreciate you joining us, Jeff. We're, yeah. we're, we we want to jump into this other topic in just a moment, but just kind of winding things up here. Um, or winding down. I don't know. Winding up? Winding down? Is it matter? Wrapping up. Wrapping up. Right? Wrapping up and winding down. Daily communication. Do with, daily communication with God. What is? What does that look like uh, for you? Kind of what? Uh, is it something you get put in your calendar? Is it something just kind of daily routine? What does that look like?
2: It's. It's not in my calendar. I think that's a. It's definitely doable to put in your calendar. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong to put in your calendar. There's actually seasons of my life where I get really busy that then I have to put it in my calendar to remind me like this is more important than a meeting or preparing for a meeting or whatever it might be. Um, and so uh, for me it's, it's, it's a it's a routine uh, you try to get in that routine um, I'm, I'm I, I don't really like the mornings uh, that, that much this is quite early actually but uh, uh, thank but, you uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, um, but uh, uh, but but I do when I get up in the mornings I, right now I'm doing um, I'm reading the Bible chronologically mm-hmm. um, and so I'm going through an app that's in the Bible app and um, and so what I'll do a lot of times is is I have it play audio yep. and, and I read it as it as it speaks so mm-hmm. I, can, I can hear it and read it at the same time um, and so that's kind of what I'm doing privately you know in the mornings and if I don't get it in the mornings because again I'm not a morning person I'll make sure I get it um, probably in the afternoon yep. uh, during my lunch time I'll, I'll carve out some time during that and just, just eat but it usually is in the mornings mm-hmm. I'm usually able to get that done um, sometimes I do it um, you know, I'll get to the parking lot at, at the gym before I go into the gym, and I'll do it in the parking lot before mm-hmm. I go into the gym. So I, I kind of carve out a little bit of time there. It's hard yeah. for me to do it at the house, um, just because of the the situations mm-hmm. with everything going on. Yep. And again, I'm not a morning person. Right. If I was a morning person, I'd probably get up just you know 45 minutes, 30 minutes earlier, yeah. and and do that. But um, but then I don't think I'd be focused enough to right. pay attention. So but but yeah, I mean, there's definitely seasons in my life where. It gets so busy, the demands uh, of the position, and that's not an excuse by any means. But it just it gets really busy, and I, I I've even admitted to to our staff before that I get in a habit of everything I read is for the church, mm-hmm. everything that I prepare for is for mm-hmm. the next sermon and the mm-hmm. next the next Bible study, whatever it may be, and um and I'll go, uh, you know, it's it's easy, it's yeah. easy to go seasons of time where, um every everything you're doing is not for your own benefit, but mm-hmm. for the benefit of others, and mm-hmm. that's that's when. Uh, that's when it gets dangerous and uh, you know, so we'll have to we'll have to do something different at that point.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Andrew, for making the noise. <laughs> Could you make a little bit more noise?
0: Well, a little I'm, bit more noise there.
3: So so here so a little a little um I didn't have any time to prepare today. Yeah, and okay. uh, and so I came in and we jumped in because you guys were rolling, so I'm trying to set up and pay attention, and, <laughs> and this stinking cord has got me going right we'll,
1: now. We'll, we'll, we'll finish up right here. The uh, Sorry, Jeff, for Chris's
3: <laughs> 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 laughing at your chronological Bible reading. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm like looking over, and he's like uh, dying laughing over here. And I'm
1: thinking,
0: <laughs> dude, I don't know what you said, but. No, he's just laughing at me. Like I said, full-time pastor, part-time comedian. That's right.
1: (laughs) So I will. um, I'll edit some of this out. I probably won't. But uh, (laughs) the. MacArthur, he's he, he was asked that question. You know, should should you, as as a pastor, should you should you read beyond simply what you're preparing for? You know, his, his response was, you know, if you're if you're diving into the word, if you're studying the word, you know, it, it really doesn't matter whether it's you're preparing for that. You know, you're because you're feeding yourself as well. I do I do personally find benefit and in, and you know, like you like you said, reading through the Bible, finding other things because as you're studying this section, it's it's amazing. Every all always right. whatever you're reading over here over there is is, is applicable. You know, yeah. it's, so it's, and I think it depends on your yeah. I, I think
2: it depends on what you feel led to do as a pastor right. too Absolutely. if you're preaching yeah. if you're preaching through the bible book by book right. and, and I'm reading every morning mm-hmm. the book that I'm supposed to be preaching on then then you're kind of reading it for both but right. but, if, but if you're doing you know typically at least how I feel comfortable uh, at this stage of my life um where we understand that there's people that aren't there every Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're there once a month or every other week or right. whatever. And they're going to miss so much of it. So for me, it's more of a topical thing mm-hmm. for three to four weeks at a time to kind of engage them with Scripture. That's where it can get hard because right. now you're, you're not really journeying through something right. as much as you are preparing. And so that's where it becomes harder because right. this, if you're not on the topic, if you're on something completely different because that's what you're studying, then I think that's harder to do.
3: I think, uh, I, you know, that's an interesting point. I i, I it's surprising. MacArthur said that, but that's cool. Um, I wish somebody would have told me that earlier on in my life, to yeah. be honest. Because I don't know if if any of y'all have ever felt this, but specifically when you teach a lot, you sometimes the material can become the uh, like a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for sure. lack of better terms, and so I felt guilty often if it was like if I was. If I wasn't having a separate time mm-hmm. because I'm like well, this is my work time now this is my personal. you know what I mean mm-hmm. and so that that's interesting because um, I again I wish somebody when I was younger would have communicated that to me that would have probably helped me
1: which which part
3: oh the part like saying hey when you you know the part like from MacArthur like uh, consuming the word regardless yeah. if it's right, to right, teach right. or whatever gotcha. you're still you know because that's true I mean yeah. you're still
0: consuming the word no
3: yeah matter. I mean it's it's active and living it doesn't matter if you know I mean it, it if you view the Bible the way the Bible views itself it's any any reading of the Bible is beneficial so for lack of better terms
1: we uh, we typically do a rapid fire section um, I think we're not going to do it.
0: That's, that's a good call. That's okay, good
1: call. all right, we'll skip the rapid fire this time. We got we got to jump in. We're gonna we're gonna have Jeff back later. He's definitely gonna be back. He loves the morning. Morning time. Yeah, Dude, yeah, the yeah. morning's are his favorite. So I can you
3: should up, see I can, my morning time.
2: I can get up every ever
1: so often. <laughs> so anyhow, hey, it's been uh, in
3: the car for thirty some minutes. Yeah. Man, I got in Deltona traffic yeah, today.
2: Yeah. Oh gosh,
1: thank you, thank you for that.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> That's, that's really important to the five listeners that
3: we have. Well, no. So, no hey, I'm, so
1: if you're on Del Tone, no, the traffic is bad. Traffic today <laughs> it was,
3: man. They, everybody was gung ho to get back to school for some reason. Uh, I'm your, like, come there's, on. I, there's, there's your maybe daily. The parents were gung ho to get their kids back to school. Was. I think that's
0: probably more
3: close 15 through. traffic report. That's right. <laughs> I, I promise you, my. Um, well, no, I won't go there. All right. Sorry, Chris.
1: No, that's all right. That's all right. So we'll go I ahead and we'll just wait. leave. It's okay. <laughs>
0: Our listeners No, this is, this is part of the course. Uh,
1: yeah. So we'll go ahead and shut it down here, and, uh, and we'll start the next one, all right? Okay. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.